Welcome back to WWC. I'm your host, Will Wright. Today we're going to be looking at the topic of virtue, and specifically in medio stat virtus, this old phrase which means in the middle stands the virtue. And of course, the middle between two extremes, on the one side deficiency, and on the other side excess. And so that's what we're looking at today. But first, if you're new, I want to say welcome to the podcast. And if you've been listening for some time, thank you so much for tuning back in. It's wonderful to have you. So without further ado, let's begin. Each person is created in the image and likeness of God. And he or she is of inestimable worth. Every single person is unique and unrepeatable. Now, human dignity is the greatest equality in the world. People may come from different cultures, times, places, and creeds, but they all have human dignity in common. And this worth is not without a purpose. Created by grace and love of God, we are ordered towards eternity with him in heaven. He is our goal. And in short, we are, to be, we are called to be saints. Now in Latin, this word for saint and the word for holy are the same, sanctus. Sanctus means to be set apart or consecrated. Uh, the assumption here is consecrated for a purpose, right? Set aside for a purpose, for a reason. And the call to be a saint is universal. It applies to each and every person. And what's more astounding is that this call is remarkably individual. God's call to be holy and thus share in his own blessed life is offered to us in a way that we will understand if we have ears to hear. We'll understand it in a, in a very personal, a very individualized way. So how then can we grow in our ability to hear the voice of God? How can we have eyes to see more readily his grand design in our life? And how can we become more disposed to God's grace and cooperation uh, with that grace? Well, one of the most practical tools in this endeavor is the life of virtue. The Second Vatican Council, the Ecumenical Council of the Church that lasted from 1962 to 1965, makes this call explicit in the Constitution on the Church. In Latin, the title is Lumen Gentium, or Light to the Nations. The Council Fathers write this in Lumen Gentium, paragraph 40. All Christians are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. Unless we believe that we've obtained the pinnacle of growth of virtue, St. Gregory of Nyssa, the great church father, reminds us that, quote, Christian perfection has but one limit, that of having none. Now, certainly there's no more important effort in our lives than cooperation with grace ordered towards communion with God. Now, if we make progress in virtue, then we make progress in holiness. It's a one for one. And so virtue is important. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states this in paragraph 2014. Spiritual progress tends towards ever more intimate union with Christ. So not to belabor the point, but it's worth saying again, lest any of our Protestant friends look at us Catholics and say, you're trying to earn your salvation. No, it's not that. Any progress that we make is the fruit of God's grace in our lives. As Jesus, our Lord, says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So the catechism defines virtue in the following way. It's very important that we have an operative definition. And this has actually been something that I've been taking to prayer lately, just focusing on this definition. And I think it's very helpful, very fruitful. So paragraph 1803 says this, a virtue is an habitual and firm disposition to do the good. A habitual and firm disposition to do the good. So we don't fall into virtue haphazardly. A firm disposition is required for virtue. Regular and habitual performance is also necessary. So finally, it's an action and disposition which firmly intends towards the good. This is what virtue is. This is what we mean when we speak of virtue. Now, the Catechism rightly shows that these good actions are not to inflate our pride and make us feel good. Rather, they're ordered to communion with God and become, to become like him. In the words of the Catechism, virtue, quote, allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. That's from paragraph 1803. Now, the life of virtue is ordered to God, but it also originates in God. He gives us the grace to be virtuous. Prior to our baptism, if we're adults when we're baptized, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity swirl around us. They woo us into the salvific life of the Christian. Then, after entering through the door of baptism, we receive these tremendous gifts as an indwelling of God's own life within our soul. We receive faith to be able to know and believe what God has revealed. We receive hope, which is sure and certain that if we love God and heed his commands, then we will forever behold the beatific vision in paradise. We'll see God as he is face to face. And we receive the virtue of charity, which makes possible everything that we do. God's own love and life is charity, for God is love. All things were created out of his sheer goodness and love. His love is the ground of being. Nothing exists apart from the love of God. So all three of these remarkable theological virtues are not something that we can grow in on our own volition. See, God gives them to us. We receive them, and then we choose to cooperate freely with them or squander them. Then we can ask for a greater share in faith, hope, and charity. In this respect, we are habitual and firm in our disposition to cooperate with God's grace to do the good. This is why these are virtues. Aside from the theological virtues, there are virtues which we can grow in by our free use of them. And there are virtues, we could ask, are there virtues we can strengthen, like going to the gym to strengthen our muscles? And these are called the human virtues. The Catechism says that the human virtues, quote, are firm attitudes, stable dispositions, habitual perfections of intellect and will, that govern our actions, order our passions, and guide our conduct according to reason and faith. And that's from paragraph 1804 in the Catechism. In other words, the virtues allow us to be in control of our actions, emotions, and overall conduct. 
And the final note from the catechism here should not pass without comment. Our actions and conduct should be in accordance with reason and faith. Doing whatever we want is not virtuous. Doing what God wants is. So it should be very clear that the virtues are part and parcel of living the Christian life and ultimately answering that universal call to holiness. Before we explore the human virtues in more detail, I want to spend a few moments on what we call the cardinal virtues. The word cardinal comes from the Latin word for hinge. And so on on these virtues, all the other human virtues hinge. And these are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And let's see what the catechism has to say on each. And I'm, I'm just going to quote from the catechism here. This is paragraphs 1806 through 1809. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just give us the definitions. Prudence disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. Uh, It's called the charioteer of virtues. St. Thomas Aquinas said that it is right reason in action. Next, justice. Justice consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. Through it, we're disposed to respect the rights of each and to establish in human relationships the harmony that promotes equity with regard to persons and to the common good. Just as a side note, notice that said equity, not equality. All right, there's this, uh, not to get on too much of a digression or a tangent, but equality, there's two different types of equality. There's equality of outcomes and equality of, um, uh, of, of opportunity, right? Equality of outcomes is this forced idea that everyone should cookie cutter just sort of look the same at the end of whatever the process is. Uh, this is very much favored by leftist ideology, whereas the the more reasonable uh, line of thinking, in my opinion, anyway, is is equality of opportunity. Right, everyone should have the same opportunities uh, within reason to pursue the good. Uh, so that would be equality of of opportunity. Now, equity is very much about dignity. It's about worth. Right, treating everyone equally. Uh, and so this, this idea of promoting equity with regards to persons is upholding human dignity. It's upholding human worth. And so that's what justice is about. It's about making sure that we respect the rights of each and establish in human relationships the harmony, that, the, like the catechism says, that promotes equity with regard to persons and to the common good. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program, the cardinal virtues. Next up, fortitude. Fortitude is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. It strengthens the resolve to resist temptations and overcome obstacles in the moral life. And then finally, temperance. Temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created goods. It ensures the will's mastery over instincts and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. So how do we actually go about acquiring human virtues? The first way is by education. We must never tire of allowing ourselves to be formed more and more in the life of virtue. See, virtues are habitual, right? They're deliberate. Therefore, we must persevere in repeated efforts to cooperate with God's grace. 
By his goodness, our character is forged and our intellect and will become freer to practice the good. The more virtuous we are, the freer we are to practice the good. And we'll know that we're growing in virtue when we're truly happy to practice virtue. Now, pursuing virtue will not always be easy. In fact, it's, it's usually not. Living in a world wounded by sin, it's difficult to maintain balance in the virtuous life. With God's grace, we must continue to live a life in the church with the sacraments, reading scripture regularly, taking time each day for prayer, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, being docile to what he calls us to love and what to shun. Intention and deliberation follow from cooperation in the spiritual order. So remember, grace always goes first. And this brings us to this, this idea of Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher. Uh, the, the Latin variation is this, in medio stat virtus, or in the middle stands the virtue. Living a life of virtue is a balancing act. Practically speaking, we don't want a deficiency or a disproportionate emphasis, an, an excess. For example, if we go too far towards the excess of justice, we might lose mercy. But if we have a deficiency and we stray away from justice towards what we think is mercy, we're not actually being just at all. In another example, if we're trying so hard to be prudent that we do not act, this is an excess of virtue. However, if we're deficient in prudence, we'll act rashly and unadvisedly. So neither excess or deficiency is meritorious and virtuous. Uh, there's a chart in the written version of today's podcast, which has a listing of virtues in the middle column and deficiencies on the left and excesses on the right. And uh, check that out. I hope that this visual is helpful uh, to be able to show how virtue is often found in the mean between two extremes. All of this to say in, in practicing virtue, we must continually examine our actions at the end of each day holding ourselves accountable. Begin first by giving thanks to God. Give thanks to God for the times when you were able to choose virtue, recognizing that it's his grace that allowed this. And then sort through sometimes when maybe virtuous acts strayed towards deficiency or towards excess. And finding this balance is a lifelong struggle. Please do not be scrupulous. Uh, don't be overly burdensome on yourself. Try your best. Strive. And if you fall, get back up again. Run, but don't grow weary. Right? The life of virtue is worth it. Uh, we don't want to take it so seriously that we end up in the excess of scrupulosity. We also don't want to take it so lackadaisical that we end up with a deficiency of virtue. Right? So even in the practice of virtue, we can see that the mean is the right answer. The more you and I embrace virtue the happier we will be in the ways that actually matter. And we will begin to see the face of God in our lives more clearly. So to give you an example of this, and like I said, the, the listing is in the, the written version of the podcast, but you can see, for example, if the virtue is bravery, uh, what would the excess be? The excess would be rashness, right? So instead of just being brave, we might run into danger headlong without a plan. Well, that would be rash. A deficiency would be cowardliness, 
right? Backing away from, from an opportunity to practice bravery that, that we need to uh, step up to the plate. I'll give you another example. So being friendly, just friendliness in general is a virtue, a human virtue. If we go to the excess of this, we might kind of go into this vice of flattery, right? Being overly flattery, flattering of someone that really it's not called for. It's not called to be that uh, much into flattery. But on the other side, we, we don't want the deficiency, which is quarrelsomeness, right? We want to be friendly, um, not overly flattering, but not quarrelsome. Finding that medium, finding that mean. Uh, and then finally, we could look at being industrious, right? The virtue of industry. If we're, the excess of vice could be over-industriousness to the detriment of the things in our lives that, that we need to also be concerned about, like good, honest leisure, right? Resting, especially on the seventh day. And then the deficiency of this would be uh, slothfulness or a, a sluggishness to choose the good. So anyway, there's some other examples on the chart, so check that out in the written version. Uh, at any rate, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. It's been a lot of uh, fun putting it together. I think that virtue training is something that is sorely lacking in our society, and it's something that we can all benefit from to grow closer to our blessed Lord, to one another, and uh, to grow in happiness in our fulfillment uh, in the end, especially geared towards, ordered towards heaven. So if this uh, episode has been a help to you, a blessing to you, please share it with your friends and family. That would mean a great deal. And uh, as I said, if, if you're new to WWC, it's wonderful to have you. And if you've been sticking around for a little bit, uh, I invite you to stick around a bit more. Next week, very excited, we're going to be talking about how we can harmonize faith and reason, how they're not opposed to one another, but like St. John Paul II said, they are like two wings of the same bird that lift us up to God. So harmonizing faith and reason next Monday. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week, and uh, God bless. We'll see you next time. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.